0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. For the first three quarters of 2008, Brazil's economy grew at a robust rate of more than 6%. As the world financial crisis takes its toll, signs have begun to appear that business in Brazil could run into trouble. The Bavespa stock market index has been volatile, and falling commodity prices have eroded export earnings. How will Brazil fare during the coming months? To answer this question, Knowledge at Wharton interviewed leaders from industries ranging from petrochemicals and telecommunications to banking, real estate, and manufacturing. In this special report, CEOs and other experts share their insights into what's in store for Brazil.
1: Our guest today is Octavio Lopez, a senior partner at GP Investments in Sao Paulo. Uh, Octavio, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, to begin with, could you tell us a little about GP Investments itself? GP is the leading private equity firm in Latin
2: America. We've been around for 15 years. Um uh, structured as a typical uh, private equity firm uh, from around the globe uh, with a slight difference that we are usually the largest investors in our private equity funds. So we see ourselves not only as managers of, of third-party capital, but also as principal investors uh, more than anything else. We uh, we specialize in Latin America, especially in Brazil. Uh, the most of our investments uh, have been done in Brazil, but we look at investments across uh, across the region. We invest uh, across uh, across industry, uh, in every possible industry. We, we are opportunistic, so how we select the transactions, and we are usually looking on on companies th- where we can implement change and that change can be through a turnaround or through growth and, and, and through that uh, created value for us and for our
1: investors. And, and what amount of uh, assets would you have? Uh, we,
2: uh, we have assets under the management uh, nowadays of about two billion dollars. Uh, our total commitments uh, to date amount to about four and a half billion dollars. Our our latest uh, funds, which we're investing right now, it's we just started uh, fundraising a couple of months ago. It's our fund, our fifth funds, uh, and we had a first closing of a billion dollars. The previous
1: one, fund four, was one point three billion dollars. That's fully invested. Well, the obvious question is uh, on everyone's mind these days is. Uh, how are investors in Brazil reacting to what's happening in the world financial yeah, markets? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, uh, you
2: know, public. If you look at the public markets, you know, investors are basically you know cutting out whatever they can. You know, and and Br- Brazil being the most liquid emerging market public market has suffered a lot. You know, this is you know uh, if if you know hedge funds across the globe wanna you know, get out of emerging market risk, the easiest one uh, to sell is certainly uh, Brazil. So, uh, you know, I think Brazil is is one of the exchanges that has suffered the most uh, over the course of the year. So that goes for public investors. On the private side, which is quite interesting, is that we continue to see a lot of interest, Uh, you know, both, you know, endowments, uh, sovereign funds, uh, pension funds in the U.S., uh, they see Brazil as, 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 as a long-term exposure that they want to have. Usually, they have very little exposure to the region. Uh, so, you know, we, we are in fundraising right now, and, and we are quite optimistic uh, that we're going to be able to, to raise a considerable, you know, actually the largest fund ever raised for uh, for, for Latin America. Again, our The previous fund was the largest fund at $1.3 billion, and we expect to be uh, uh, beyond that. So there is still a lot of interest, especially for Brazil. Brazil, you know, people, when investors across the globe look at Brazil and investors have a long-term view, uh, they look at the macro changes that were implemented over the last, actually, 15 years and look at how strong the economy is in terms of growth nowadays, in terms of the public finance, the external side has been always uh, important issues for the country. It's interesting, you know, Brazil, over the last uh, 12 months, so, so the four quarters up to the end of the second quarter, was the highest growth for Brazil at 6%, GDP growth for the last 15 years. So you know we continue to do quite well, of course, uh, with all the you know the worldwide crisis, credit is becoming less available. Uh, you know, companies in general are cutting their capex uh, plans, and and, and we're going to surf a little bit, but we still should be growing at around three
1: percent next year as well. Okay. that's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was reading on the news reports this morning that uh, uh, in the U.S. Uh, this could possibly turn out to be the uh, worst year for stocks since 1937. Now, for smart investors, this actually uh, creates buying opportunities. Uh, where would you look for bargains? Uh, I, I think across the globe, you know, if, if we are a
2: private investor and, and we only look for private opportunities, but if you are a public investor, I, I agree. I, I would say if we're sitting in a, in, in a, in a trading desk, uh, nowadays it's, it, it's it's tough uh, uh, to come in. And that I think that's why there is no bottom for the market, because... You know, that's the first time where you have week after week, you know, the market going down 10 to 15%. But at one one point, I think if you are liquid, if you're long term, I think, you know, if you are Warren Buffett, that's probably, you know, best times ever because they're going to be, you know, amazing companies. If you look in Brazil, uh, the cyclical Brazilian stocks like Vale, uh, Petrobras, which are amazing companies, are really well run. They have access to the best you know, reserves uh, uh, across the globe. Uh, they are trading down considerably, and, and, and basically they are trading at uh, you know a world catastrophe. And I think you know people will still be riding their cars, uh, people will still be consuming basic goods uh, a year, two years from now. So I think across the globe there are just amazing opportunities, and I think emerging markets is is, is a nice place to be nowadays. I think in general. Uh, which is it's, it's quite uh, curious and it's happened for the first time at least in my professional life is that if you look at Brazil China Russia and emerging markets in general it should do better over the ne- over the course of the crisis than the traditional markets in in, in US uh, in Europe you know usually uh, uh, when we always say if you know, if you you know, U.S. got a cold and, you know, Brazil would spend, you know, a year in hospital. And now we, we believe, you know, it's the other way around. We should, you know, I think we should survive well the crisis. If you look at the, the real economy in Brazil, you know, it's, it's still uh, uh, the best economic times that we ever had or that we
1: had over the last 30 years or so. Uh, how, how do you see the prospect for commodities?
2: Uh, that's that's a big question around, and I, and I think uh, uh, you know there have been a major adjustment in, in commodity prices. Uh, commodity prices are... are we, we don't invest directly. We don't get di- direct commodity exposure, but, for example, we are the controlling shareholders of the largest oil field service companies in the region. So our clients, of course, are already nowadays. But my, my personal view is that... Uh, there being adjustment, I think that that adjustment is it's pretty reasonable. You know, there was a commodity bubble for sure when oil was trading at a, at, a, at 140 dollars. But I personally don't expect commodity prices, being uh, minerals, being agricultural commodities, uh, to come back to the levels they were uh, four years ago. I think you know the emergency of China, the emergency of of, of India, uh, have definitely shifted commodity prices uh, for, for the long term. But it's going to be a very bad ride. So if you are falling oil prices on a daily basis on the screen, it's, uh,
1: it's pretty scary right now. Yeah, Especially this week, I understand that oil came down by four dollars. Uh, what's your anticipation for the uh, rest of the year? Uh, you know, we 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 are usually takers on
2: that. You know, I, 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 you know most of the streets now has has uh, revised the uh, the O uh, nine uh, oil price numbers from hundred hundred ten to the eighty to ninety dollars. you know, we, we don't have any reason uh, 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 to believe that it should be different from that. Uh,
1: continue to speak about oil, especially in Brazil. That's big news these days because during the past year, I understand that billions of barrels of oil. Were discovered four miles under the ocean, yes. just near the surface. Yes. Now, do you think this will result in Brazil becoming an oil superpower? Uh,
2: I don't know exactly what a oil superpower is, but but certainly Brazil looks to become a major exporter of oil over the longer ter- long term. You know, those are you know those reserves are apparently they are huge, uh, and but they are not easily accessible. You know, the, you you it's it's, it's really high tech. You're talking about you know, something like six thousand uh, feet of water plus another up to eight, ten thousand of, of of ground salts that you have to, to drill uh, uh, to get there. And but eventually they will. And I think it's if oil keeps at seventy to eight dollars a barrel, which you know we expect to be uh, sort of the bottom long term. Uh, uh, you know that oil will get out of the the, the ground, and then it's going to be important to Brazil. It's it's also a risk. You know, you know, oil rich comp- uh, countries usually are not very well run. So we expect that Brazil uh, uh, be uh, uh, smart on how to deal with that, and, and don't waste all that wealth at once, and, and and keep something for for the next generation. But it's really important. It's really important for the country. and... And, and for us given that we have a very large exposure to oil field services you know we are we are very excited about the the billions of dollars of capEx that will be needed uh, to get all that oil out of the
1: ground. I think you just raised a very important point how much does it cost to fully tap into these oil reserves? how long is it going to take and how will it change the equation of the oil market in this region
2: yeah I think I think the big question uh, is is you know, it, in terms of the region, I think it's, it's, it's not a, a secular change. You know, it's you know, it's, it's an important point of oil, but it's not something that will change, shift towards uh, supply balance. Uh, generally, what uh, uh, Petrobras and other experts indicate is that uh, those the, the, the so-called pre-salts because they are below a big chunk of salts now on no, no, uh, 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 in the earth that they will be commercially explored starting in 2015 to 2017. So it's you know a couple of years uh, down the roads. Uh, I think in generally for Brazil uh, will will means that long-term Brazil will become an ex- exporter of oil. You know, Brazil it's, uh, was a net exporter for some time last year, has become a net importer again this year. So I think it is an important shift on the balance of payments in Brazil. Of course, the the, the commodity price adjustment that happens over the last uh, uh, five years has completely changed uh, uh, the exchange rate dynamics in Brazil and then the external dynamics in Brazil. You know, Getting dollars has become much easier uh, for Brazil. So that should continue to be the case uh, moving forward, in generally, uh, the oil industry is booming in Latin America, and that doesn't mean, and it's booming with oil at seventy dollars. We don't need a hundred, uh, hundred dollars per barrel, hundred forty dollars per barrel for the continue uh, for this to continue to boom. So, you have Colombia, you know, Colombia partially privatized Ecopetrol, which is the, the the local oil company, they are doing have investments. They believe. That there is offshore oil off the coast of Colombia uh, as well. Uh, Mexico is moving into a new uh, onshore field, which is really important. Chapultepec, which is going to be demand very heavy investments. Certainly, there is oil. Uh, uh, there is more oil to be explored in Argentina. It's not being explored right now because it's a very, uh, uh, a very inadequate uh, regulatory framework right now. But we do expect that to change. So. People focus a lot in Venezuela well because of what's happening and how production is going down. But if you, if you take the whole region into account, the fastest growing region in the world from a small base in terms of oil production is actually Latin
1: America. That, that's very interesting. Which companies do you think are best positioned to take advantage of this trend? And are there any companies that could be losers as a result of this trend?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I don't know if it's positive or negative, but in general, uh, falling, falling, a, a, a worldwide trend. Uh, the national companies are the ones that, they're 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 taking more advantage. So you know, Petrobras in Brazil, you know, Pamex in Mexico, it's a monopoly. PDVs in Venezuela, it's also a monopoly. Ecopetrol in in uh, in Colombia, which is not a monopoly, but similar to Brazil, uh, to Petrobras in Brazil, has a very strong presence in the market, I think, are are the ones that should benefit the most, but they're not alone. For example, British Gas uh, uh, participated in a lot of the discoveries uh, that happened in Brazil, the the, the pre-salt discoveries, and there was a, a complete change in the size of the company because of those discoveries. So there is... There is a, a, a lot, uh, a lot to gain for both national companies and multinationals, and for also service companies. You know the amount of capex that, that is needed in Brazil. You know it's you know basic people say about 150 billion dollars uh, in capex over the next 10 over the next 10 years by Petrobras alone.
1: So it's it's a lot of money. Do you see any losers at all in this game?
2: Um, probably not I think you know it's, it's 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 such a positive movement you know and then it's and it's so positive for the countries and that that's you know it creates massive demands uh you know picking one example uh the ship construction company in Brazil you know Brazil back in the seventies uh, had some important uh shipyards was an important player. Uh, uh, in the sh- in the ship construction industry uh, worldwide, and that industry was completely destroyed during the eighties and the nineties, and then it's it's starting to be rebuilt just because the number of vessels they're needed by petrobras uh, it's it's in the hundreds, so and this is this is a, a, a industry that consumes massive amounts of workforce, you know, it's like on the, on, 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 on the tens of thousands of, of of skilled workers that are needed, so this. You know, if if well managed all that
1: movement is very positive for the region as a whole. Uh, do you think that there'll be any negative effect on the efforts to build uh, green energy uh, because of this uh, surplus of oil?
2: I don't think so I think that's that's uh, you know that's still marginal comparing to the to the global equation and of course Brazil is, is a key player on, on the ethanol. Uh, movement and, and you know Brazil is already the largest producer of ethanol. It's the largest producer of the the green ethanol with the sugar cane uh, uh, ethanol. So I think Brazil is also participating on on on, 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 on the renewables uh, factor, which is also factor contributing for high commodity prices because it is a fact that uh, uh, you know there is it's still a small portion of the land in Brazil is dedicated to sugarcane and should continue to be a very, very small portion. But, of course, you know, land is becoming, land and water is becoming a more scarce uh,
1: assets because of the need to produce, you know, renewables as well. Uh, One final question. Mm -hmm. Uh, What advice are you giving to investors these days?
2: I think stay put and wait for better times. I think that's... uh, uh, that's our general view. I think it's a, uh, you know, very complicated times, and 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 generally, I think we we are, what we are usually more concerned is that uh, you know our companies are doing well. You know, we, we have a large portfolio company, so we I, I think we are, we, we are we are in a good position because you know we usually use very little leverage. So. Uh, um, we don't have any refinancing risk in our companies, and that's what we've been telling anyone. I think it should be, should be it's like old style um, management, you know, being conservative, having a very safe balance sheets, uh, taking you know uh, careful decisions on how you, you manage your cash flows and how you manage your cash. And I think that's that's pretty much what everybody's doing. So that's why you know the whole world is the leverage and asset prices are going down. But I think again, if you if you are if you're a long-term investor, I think the prospects if you look at 5 or 10 years have never been better.
0: For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.